So good morning, good morning to those who are joining us online. It's good to have you. But can you believe that today is the first Sunday of, Sep- of December? Can you believe that? Yeah, time flies, eh? And I think as you get older at times, it flies faster. And, uh, and all, everyone over uh, 60 said, <laughs> it's very, very quiet, very quiet. You know what it means though, don't you? It means it's Christmas and uh, we're not quite there, but it's, but it's just around the corner and, and all the preparations have been made, aren't they? I mean, who doesn't have their Christmas tree up yet? Ah, the new mum, that's okay, because dad hasn't done it because he's been busy, it's all right, dad'll get to it. So you're the only family in the building, Maya and Kirby, that haven't put up the Christmas tree. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, the joy of Christmas for me is that, is that we stop to celebrate Jesus' birth, being born into the world, to bring salvation to everyone who believes on him. What a wonderful thing it's been to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'll ever be grateful for that time as a 21-year-old sitting in a tent by myself. I gave my heart to Jesus and I've been following him ever since for the last 46 years and and haven't regretted that one thing, uh, one moment. And, you know, it's such a beautiful thing to stop and just take a moment God sent his son that whoever believes upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. And, and, and that's the reason for all the food activity, the food and the activities and the gift giving. It's all this one thing. God gave you and I the most precious gift that he could give us. You know, some gifts don't make it past a week, do they? I mean, that's, that's the downside of Christmas. You're going to have some gifts that are just after saying thank you, you're going to find a box and put it in the cupboard somewhere. And you're probably never going to take that gift out again until you next have this flashing moment where you want to minimalize your life. And then you'll probably re-gift it or do something worse with it. It'll end up being recycled in a bin somewhere. Um, but So some gifts don't, don't make it past a week, but other gifts just have lasting value attached to them, don't they? The gifts that are designed just for you in mind. When someone's really thought about you and who you are and what you like and what you, what you need and what you would like to receive. And uh, they represent something special to you. I, I gave a gift like that to my wife once. <laughs> Thanks a while, yeah. It was on her 60th birthday. And uh, she had always wanted, she's wearing it today, actually. Stand up, darling, just stand up, stand up, turn around, show off your little chain there. Thank you. You know, um, for a long time, Alison had desired, desired to have, have this um, beautiful neck chain with a fob and some rose gold on it. And, and she wanted a 1960 shilling encased into the into the chain and necklace because 1960 was the year of a birth. So together, we actually, you won't find that chain anywhere else because we designed it. We designed it uh, together. We bought the, the 1960 shilling. We talked with a jeweler and we commissioned him and, and had it handmade. This special, one-off, unique, just-for-her gift. 
And when I got the text that it was ready, I mortgaged the house and I went and paid for it. Um, You know, I, I didn't really go into debt over the gift. But there was a time when God did bankrupt heaven uh, um, to give us the most precious of gifts, the gift of his son, Jesus. And Jesus is no ordinary gift to our lives as revealed um, by the gifts given to him by the Magi on his birth. Um, Magi had been following his star and we just pick up their narrative in Matthew chapter 2. Verses 9 to 11. It says, After they had heard the king, that's King Herod, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They may seem like strange gifts to give to a baby. I don't know what a baby's going to do with gold, or with frankincense, or with myrrh. But um, these gifts are actually, the, the Magi clearly knew that this was no ordinary child, and these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh actually paint a, pitch, a beautiful picture of who Jesus is as God's one and only Son. And over the next three weeks, we're going to look at each one of these. And today we're just going to look at the gift of gold and what that, the significance of it, because gold is a, is a gift given to royalty. And uh, gold is a gift fit for a king. And in Jesus, we've been given a king. But he's no ordinary king. Jesus is a king like no other. Jesus didn't become a king at his birth. Jesus was a king before he was born. He came as king. The the first question about his life came from the Magi. And they said, where is the one born king of the Jews? And one of the last questions to him posed posed by Pilate before his death and, and resurrection was, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus was always a king. His earth, he was a king before he, he was born and his earthly life was bookmarked by the truth that he was a king. People tried to force him at one stage to, to become an earthly king, which he refused. And when you read the, around the, the, the sufferings of Jesus and the death, the death and resurrection of Jesus, we discover that he was sentenced to death under the accusation of being a king. He was crucified as a king because Pilate had, a, had a, a notice placed upon his cross. Here is the king of Jews, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And, and the leaders of the day wanted to dispute that. But he was crucified as king. He rose again as king. And he's coming back again as king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus has always been king and Jesus will always be king. He, he came into, into the world as a king. He will return as a king. Jesus Christ is the eternal king of glory. There is no other like him. But the humility of Jesus' birth shows that his first coming as a king wasn't to reveal his majesty and his dominion, but it was actually to make known his love 
and salvation for all people. When Jesus entered Jerusalem to the shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the King who comes in the, in the name of the Lord, he was fulfilling the prophecy written about him in Zechariah. In Zechariah 9 and verse 9, we read this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, your king comes to you. I want you to take that. I want you to sit with that this morning. Take that as a personal promise to your heart and to your life. See, your king comes to you. But notice how he comes. He comes righteous. He comes victorious. He comes lowly. He comes riding on a donkey. As king, Jesus comes to us righteous because he comes to gift us with his righteousness. Because every one of us have fallen short of God's glory and have sinned in our life and have been separated from him. And Jesus comes with a gift of righteousness to restore our relationship to the Father. And as, as king, Jesus comes victorious because he laid down his life to establish uh, our lives in the victory of a new life in him. Jesus isn't just going to make all your enemies go away. But what he promises to do is give you a new heart. And that's where victory in Christ is, by having a new heart, a new life in this life. It's not the victory of domination, but the victory of the cross that Jesus comes to us in. It's the victory of life over death. And as king, Jesus comes lowly. He comes in humility. He comes in love. He comes in selflessness because he is willing to bring his righteousness and his victory of new life into the lowly, disdainful places of our life. And that's why Jesus as king comes lowly. He, has the on, he is the only one with the power and, and authority to change the lowly places of our life. But he doesn't come to try and dominate us into new life. He comes lowly and walks into those places with us. And as king, Jesus comes riding on a donkey because kings who enter the city on a horse were coming in war. But kings who enter the city on a donkey were coming in peace. And Isaiah prophesied about Jesus and said, there will be no end of his rule and of his peace. So now in this life, we have a king. We have a king eternal. We have a king alive. We have a king of glory. We have a king victorious. We have a king lowly. We have a shepherd king. We have a king who reigns, a king who is like no other, and his kingdom is like no other kingdom. The simplest way to understand the kingdom of God is as the sovereign rule and reign of the king. Where Jesus rules and reigns as king, that's where his kingdom comes 
That's where his kingdom is. And we can experience his kingdom in, in two ways. Firstly, we can experience his kingdom in our hearts. That's where he comes to rule. I know Princess Di, when she was asked who she would like to be, she said, I would like to be the people's queen of hearts. That's how she answered that question, do you remember? Lovely person. But there is a king of hearts. A king of hearts, Jesus Christ, and he he rules and reigns in our hearts. Jesus, unlike earthly kings, Jesus doesn't rule over a, a particular area of real estate. There's no, you can't visit the kingdom of God by jumping on a plane and buying a ticket to it. You invite the kingdom of God into your heart. When, when asked about the kingdom, Jesus taught that the kingdom of God is within us. It's within you. The rule and reign of Jesus is meant to be within us. And Jesus desires to establish his kingdom, his rule and his reign in our hearts. And the focus of Jesus' rule, the focus of his kingship in our lives is to bring freedom into our lives through the process of transformation. He transforms us to become like his kingdom. He transforms us to become like the king. Romans 5 verse 17 says this. It says, For if by the trespass of the one man, speaking of Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So our king, righteous, victorious, lowly, who comes in peace, has one aim for our life. He wants us to be able to reign in life as we welcome and submit to his rule in our hearts. And reigning in life is a transformational journey. It's been, it's been changed from the inside out. It, it's, the, it's the journey of transformation as the rule of Jesus in our life through the abundant provision of grace and his gift of righteousness disempowers every negative we have in our life. The journey of having Jesus as king in our hearts is a journey of every negative becoming disempowered from our life because of God's abundant provision of grace and gift of righteousness to us. So every place we lack freedom in our life, every place we lack wholeness, every every place we lack peace or lack joy or or lack assurance or or suffer from rejection or or we carry condemnation or, or we suffer from a lack of true identity of who our lives are can be disempowered from within us as we uh, from our lives as we welcome his reign within us. I mean you know, I was the person before Christ that would hide under a table at a party. So wrecked with, racked with rejection and insecurity. I haven't been on a journey of self-improvement. I've walked with the King of Glory who's disempowered every negative in my life through the abundant provision of His grace and the gift of righteousness. 
as I've walked with him and allowed him to reveal himself to me and to show me who I am to him and who I am in him. There's a, that's grace being poured into our hearts. That's righteousness being imputed to us. And every negative in our life gets disempowered. Because we are under the rule of a king. We used to be under the dominion of a thief and a liar. We used to be under that dominion. We used to be under the dominion of an entity that that had one thing in mind, to seek to kill and to destroy our life. That's why the world is full of people that don't know Jesus, who are hell-bent on killing their own life. Slowly, bit by bit, by one thing or another thing that they can't break free of. But thank God when we invite Jesus into our heart as the King of Kings to rule and reign in our life. The one who is righteous, the one who is victorious, the one who is lowly, the one who comes in peace to establish us in peace. His grace and His righteousness disempowers every negative thing from our life. I think that's worth like hip hip array Jesus, you know? Uh, I think it is. You know, every bondage can be broken. Every hurt can be healed. He gives beauty for ashes. He gives the oil of joy for mourning. He, he, every place of shame receives a double portion of God's favor when we allow the king to reign In our heart. He makes everything beautiful in its time. There is an abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness for every negative in our life. And over time, our lives begin to reflect and tell the story of the powerful transformation that takes place in us as we allow Jesus to rule and reign in our hearts. We are not yet who we will be, but we are no longer who we used to be. Isn't that true? Secondly, we can experience his kingdom in the world. Jesus taught us to pray this in Matthew 6, 9 to 10. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, Jesus asks us to take a posture of faith in him in every circumstance of life that doesn't reflect what we know to be the goodness of God. When we face things in the world, in people's lives, in the the lives of those we love, in the lives of those we hear about and God touches our heart, when we hear of things and see things and we think that's not a reflection of the goodness of God, Jesus asks us to take a posture of faith where, where we ask for his kingdom to come into that. We ask for his will to be done on earth as it is 
in heaven. We ask for the rule and reign of God to break in and turn it around. And that's to, that's to be our stance towards injustice. And sometimes you get involved in, in other ways to help right injustices because we're a people of the kingdom who live under the reign of the king. And, uh, you know, that's to be our stance towards suffering and sickness and disease and poverty and need. Our stance is to be this, your kingdom come. But there's a tension to this, isn't it? Isn't there? There's a tension to it because we live with the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. This is our journey with our king. We experience the rule of God in our lives now. If we went round the room, we would discover the story of the reign of God in people's hearts time and time and time again, story after story of changed, transformed life. So we experience the rule of God in our lives now, but we do not yet see his kingdom come in the fullest expression of God's glory. So if we were to sit around and tell the stories of how we see, of how we've seen the kingdom of God come, we would have some victories and we would have some disappointments. Isn't that true? But none of this changes who Jesus our King is. Sometimes we see his kingdom come in remarkable ways and other times we don't see the outcome that we were hoping for but God remains good and our posture remains the same. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because that's where Jesus has positioned us to stand. And he says, don't be moved by, from that position. This is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And through it all, on the, I'd like the team to come and join me if they would. Through it all, on the mountaintops and through the valleys, we have a king. We journey through this life with a king. A king who empowers us through grace to reign in, this, to reign in life in him through a transformed heart of trust, of hope, of faith, of love, of humility, of perseverance and endurance, standing with others in their joy, standing with others in their suffering. We have a king who empowers us through it all. Through it all, we have a king who carries us and comforts us in the darkest moments of life. He is with us as we walk through those valleys and he's with us when we're rejoicing on the mountaintops, seeing his glory. And he's with us in these lower places when just the shadow of death is coming over our life. But we have a king through it all. Through it all, we have a king who never leaves us, who never forsakes us, We have a king through it all who will never reject us, who will always come to us in the humility and the selflessness of his love. And he will say to you, let me wash you clean again if you've fallen. Let me forgive your sin if you've fallen again. Let me empower you with grace if you're not quite in my victory yet. We have a king in our lives through it all. And through it all, we have a king who will one day return as king, king of kings and lord of lords. And he will usher in a glorious kingdom.
And we will see the day of His glory. We will see the day of His power. We will see the day of His beauty on that day. Thanks be to God for His gift to our lives. Jesus, our King. Can we stand together? Why don't we give the Lord a clap offering? Thanks be to God for His gift of Jesus, our King, to our lives. Thanks be to God for the gift of Jesus Christ, our King, to our lives. And you know, every one of us needs this gift of a King. Because every one of us is in a kingdom, whether we like it or not. We are in a kingdom. If we've believed upon Jesus, we've been delivered from the kingdom we were born in. And we've been born again into the kingdom of God. But every one of us, through natural birth, are born into a fallen kingdom. We don't make a choice about that. You and I didn't make a choice to be born with a sin nature. We were just born with one. You and I didn't make a choice to be born into the kingdom of darkness. We were just born into it. But God sent His one and only Son as King. He came righteous without sin he came victorious by dying on a cross and being raised on the third day he came lowly because he came to serve us to love us to forgive us to redeem us and he came in peace to establish our hearts in the peace and favour of God and by believing Upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we are born again through a spiritual birth into His glorious kingdom. So what will you do with this gift of a king? He comes to you to give you righteousness, to restore you to the Father. He comes to you to give you eternal life through His victory over death. He comes to you to pour His unconditional love and forgiveness into your heart. He comes to you to make you a brand new person and give you life. So while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you're listening online, watching online, I have a question. What will you do with the King who's coming to you? Will you open up your heart? Will you invite Him into your life? Will you place your trust and faith in Him? Will you give Him the rightful reign that He'll never demand from you, but willingly accept from you? Will you give Him His rightful reign in your heart? And if you're saying this morning, Graham, I want to receive this King. I want to receive Jesus Christ into my life. I want to come back to the Father. 
I want to know him. Would you please raise your hand where you are? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're online, just put your hand on your heart. Just raise your hand where you are. Just raise it firstly to God. Secondly, long enough to allow me to just acknowledge and then we're going to just pray a simple prayer. So as I look around the room, please go ahead and raise your hand wherever you are. You raise it high. Thank you. Thank you. I see you there. God bless you. Thank you, sir. I see you there. God bless you. Once you've raised it, put it down again and I've acknowledged you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know God is tugging at people's hearts. Just wherever you are, thank you right up against the wall at the back there. Thank you. I see you there. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Numbers of people have raised their hand before the Lord this morning. Just want to give you that opportunity. Put your hand on your heart. If you're online, put your hand on your heart. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you sent him as King into this world to defeat our enemy of sin death and the evil one. Father, thank you through his righteousness, through his death and resurrection on the cross, there is victory for our lives. We can be forgiven, made brand new, reconciled to you. So, Father, we acknowledge the gift of Jesus to us. We confess our sin. Lord, we invite you as King into our heart. Come in, Lord Jesus. Make me your child. Change my life. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And we all together said, Amen and Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering together. You know, just before uh, Pastor Luke comes I've still got a couple of minutes on the clock, but I, I want to I want to share a scripture that has just really been on my heart since last night and, and today. And I believe this is a promise for some people in the room this morning. Noticed, I noticed something when I said for every place of shame in your life there's a double portion of favor I could tell that some of you lean forward with hope and said really? I didn't know that I didn't know that because shame is such a big thing And uh, I just want to give you this promise. It's from Isaiah 61, verse 7. It says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Isn't that amazing? And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. The best way to understand the phrase in your land is to see it as your life in Jesus. And then our life in Jesus, you see, 
It's such a beautiful promise that the Father's given. But the truth is now on this side of the cross and the death and resurrection of Jesus, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Jesus. So there's an application of this promise into our lives through the work and person of Jesus Christ within us, through His love, through His, through His victory, through His lowliness, through His, through His righteousness, through His mercy, through His, through His peace, instead of your shame. When I say the word shame, what comes to mind? Where's the point of shame in your life? Maybe it's in your family. Maybe there's just some disappointment, some shame, something that just sits there in your heart. Maybe financially, you've made a mess of things and you feel such shame in your life. When I say the word shame, your mind goes to money because in that place you feel shame. Maybe it's in the area of rejection. Maybe it's in the area of abandonment. Maybe it's in the area of being unloved at some time in your life. Maybe it's in the area of being deserted somewhere or by someone. I just know that there's a promise for your life that the Lord wants to give you. And if it applies to you, it applies to you. Take it into your promise. Take it into your heart and find hope in it. That instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion how many people can receive that? Just come on. There's no shame in raising our hand to say we're getting free of shame. There's no shame in it, people. There's no shame in saying Jesus will give me a double portion for whatever shame the evil one tried to put on my life or life tried to do. There's no shame in saying I'm getting set free from shame. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap offering together. Father, we just acknowledge you. We acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge your promise. We acknowledge your reign. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for every person that in their heart of hearts is going, wow, this promise is for me. Father, thank you. Father, thank you for the beauty of your promise. Thank you for the power of your promise. Thank you for the faithfulness of your promise. Thank you for the life that's in your promise. Thank you for giving us such a promise, Father. Lord, that in place of our shame, we would receive a double portion, an inheritance in you, a place of everlasting joy. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name.